We have all had painful events in our lives that can lead to depression, anxiety, addiction, or broken relationships. But here's a secret. It is not about what happened to us that causes suffering. It's the stories we believe about ourselves. Join us as we shine light on how to rewrite our stories, avoid the shadows of shame, and travel along the pathway to joy, love, and connection. It's the Finding Peace Podcast with your host, Amazon best-selling author, Troy L. Love. It's Christmas morning. Me and my roommates have just unpacked all of the presents that our parents have shipped to us. We're all living away from home. And we're enjoying the gifts and the love that has been shared with us by our parents and friends and family members and each other. And I pull out one last present. It's a stocking. Growing up, one of the traditions that we had in my house is that before we could go into the room where all the presents were under the tree, we had to look through our stocking first. And Santa always left a fruit at the bottom of the stocking, whether it was an apple or an orange. And my parents had a rule that we couldn't actually go in and look at the presents and open them up until we had eaten the fruit at the bottom of the stocking. Oh, the torture that that was for a child. That's, I always chose an orange, it's what I always ate, but I'm telling you that orange seemed to be the biggest, most gigantic orange ever. And it felt like it took me years to digest that thing before we could then go in and turn on the Christmas lights on the tree and see all the presents that Santa had left for us. And so my mom has sent me this stocking as part of that tradition. Now, it was at the bottom of the package, and so I didn't actually see it, and so I didn't follow the tradition like we normally do. And so I'm pulling it out now, and I'm looking at it, but mm, something does not smell good. The moment that I had opened up that package, I could smell it. It was that rotting, decayed smell, and it's coming from the stocking. The orange had rotted. I tried to get the stuff out of the stocking that I could that wasn't tainted by the rotten, orange, juicy, smooshy, pulpy stuff, pulled it out, and then I just threw the sock in the garbage. I wasn't going to reach my hand in there and pull that thing out. That was really gross. Not going to do that at all. And we continued looking at and playing with the presents that we got and, and just spending some time together with our roommates. Later on, we had the opportunity to call our parents, and I called my mom. Now, my mom and dad had been divorced for about a year. And she, she was living on her own, and I was going to call my dad later. I knew that times had been a little bit troubling for my mom as she is now on her own, having to manage things on her own. 
as we're talking, I'm I'm happy to see how she's doing and what she's doing for the Christmas holiday and, and all of those wonderful conversations. And then she asks me if I was able to get the $100 bill that she put in the presents. And I said, I don't remember getting a $100 bill. I, I didn't see that. Did I, I miss it? And she said, oh, well, it was at the bottom of the stocking. Oh, really? I didn't have the heart to tell her that the orange at the bottom of the stocking was rotten and that we had thrown it away. I didn't want to tell her that. And so I said, oh, I'll have to go look. But thank you. Thank you so very much. That was such a sacrifice. I know that that must have been really hard for you to to, to be able to send that money. So thank you so very much. After I got off the phone, my heart was in the bottom of my toes. I felt so awful that I had thrown that away. It wasn't about the hundred dollars. I mean, that would have been nice to have as a as a poor kid who's not living with his parents anymore. The hundred dollars would have been wonderful, but it was more about the sacrifice that my mom had made to make sure that I had the hundred dollar present for Christmas. And I had thrown it away. So I was really bummed and I was really sad and just kind of feeling like what we, we went to the garbage can to see if we could maybe pull it out, but somebody had taken the garbage out. We lived in a, an apartment complex. Somebody had taken the garbage out and thrown it into the dumpster. Well, I thought, well, I guess it's gone. I guess that's just sad, and I'll just never tell my mom that I threw her $100 away, and that's the end of that. But my roommate, Jeff Ambrose, said, no, we're going to go get it. I said, what are you talking about? He said, no, we're going to go get it. We're going to go out and we're going to go get it. That was really wonderful that your mom would do that. And so we're going to go get it. I said, it's out in the dumpster. He said, so let's go get it. And so we go out and it's Christmas morning. Everybody has thrown all of their trash from their presents and all of the things that they've opened up and thrown it into this dumpster. It is full of garbage. Elder Ambrose is actually wearing a shirt and tie and pants and he says, I'm going to get in there. I'm like, no, no, don't get in there. You're going to get all dirty. He said, no, I'm, I'm going to get in there. And he jumps in to the dumpster and he starts rooting around in the garbage. Well, here's this guy wearing a suit and tie, looking like somebody who's scavenging through garbage, and I am standing there baffled. Why would you do that? You don't need to do that. It's not even worth it. He keeps digging through the garbage, rooting around, and his he's says, I can smell it, I can smell it, I can, I can figure it out, and he just keeps rooting and rooting until he finally finds our garbage sack and he pulls out the sock and he says I got it and he jumps back out of the dumpster handing me the rotten sock I reached my hand in there pull out the slimy orange and there at the bottom of the sock is my mom's hundred dollar bill
That is one of my most favorite Christmas memories. And I wanted to share that with you today because it's the introduction to the question of the podcast. How can I have more peace in my life? As you know, if you've been listening to this podcast, you know that I talk a lot about attachment wounds, loss, neglect, rejection, abandonment, betrayal, and abuse. And what tends to happen as these wounds are created is that we begin to believe some really negative core beliefs about ourselves that are wired to these wounds. So the wound of rejection and abandonment for me has some pretty significant core beliefs wired with it. That I'm not enough, that nobody likes me, that I don't measure up, that I'm not wanted. And so it's shocking and amazing and astonishing when somebody behaves in a way that is blatantly in opposition to those negative core beliefs. Just like Jeff Ambrose did as he's digging through the trash. Here was someone who loved me. He's willing to ruin his really nice clothes to dig through the garbage in order to show that he accepted me, that he cared about me, that he was showing up for me. And I think that's why that memory is so profound for me. But what tends to happen is that our impotent one in particular really hijacks those kind of experiences. We have these astonishing, amazing experiences that really could rewrite the story that I'm wanted and that I'm needed and that I'm cared for. And yet the impotent one will hijack that and say, well, that was just a one-time thing. It's not really something that happens all that often. It, you know, this is just fluke. He's just doing it because it's Christmas time. Those kind of, those downer messages that the impotent one says to us just can really crush what is a beautiful and loving experience. And luckily for me, the impotent one didn't do that for me in this particular experience. As I look back, I just am still astonished and amazed and full of gratitude for the love that Jeff showed for me that particular day. What tends to happen is that a part of our brain called the reticular activating system gets the message that I'm not enough or that I don't matter, and then it begins to look for evidence that that is an accurate core belief. And when we start looking, man, we're going to find evidence that shows that we are rejected and abandoned and betrayed and abused. Like, we're going to find it because we live in a world where there is some things that are not pleasant. There are some things that are not happy. There are things that happen where we treat each other horribly as a human race. So you're going to find it. But the interesting thing is that the reticular activating system can also be used to bless us. And so I wonder what would happen if instead of looking for the evidence to prove that I'm neglected and 
rejected and unwanted and and all of those negative core beliefs. I wonder what would happen if I began to look for evidence that shows just the opposite. And this example with Jeff Ambrose is a beautiful example. Here is an absolutely undeniable experience where somebody showed me love. Can I sit for a moment and just ponder who else in my life has shown that to me? Who've been the angels in my life who have caused me to feel love and joy and acceptance and trust and have paid attention to me? And if I just ponder for a moment, I can come up with quite a number of names that are on the list. In the end of the movie, The Wizard of Oz, the wizard says to the Tin Man, a heart is not judged by how much you love, but by how much you are loved by others. And I've never really quite understood that. But in this moment, as I was sitting there and making this list of people who have blessed my life, these are people who have loved me. And each one of those names is evidence that that core belief is actually not true. And as I begin to sit with that and recognize the number of people who have blessed my life, it also offers an invitation for how I can bless other people's lives. Are there people in my life who maybe are struggling with wounds of neglect, loss, rejection, abandonment, betrayal, or abuse? And is there something small that I can do to help them know that I accept them, that I love them, that I care for them, that I want to pay attention to them? Is there something that I can do to help that person know that they matter to me. It seems at the holiday season that we're a little bit more tender in our willingness to do that for other people. We're more willing to share and express love and give gifts and those wonderful things that we do at the holiday season. I also am aware that those same individuals might need love in January in February, in March, in April, and May, in June, in July, August, and September, and October, and November, just as much as they need it in December. And lastly, as I think about that question about how I can have more peace in my life, I can also look at the number of ways in which I've rejected myself and neglected myself, and abandoned myself, and betrayed myself, and abused myself. And I can try to be a little bit kinder to myself. It's a weird, weird thing that when we are able to be kinder to ourselves, we are also able to be kinder to others. And when we're kinder to others, we're able to be kinder to ourselves. It's this, this almost this infinity loop that builds upon itself because the more that I'm kind and supportive to others, 
the more evidence that I have to show that I am someone who loves. I'm someone who has light. I'm someone who has gifts and talents and abilities. And I've used those to bless somebody else's life. And so it reminds me that I am enough. And so I can remind myself that I'm enough. And I can look for opportunities to bless other people's lives. Just like Jeff Ambrose did for me. Now, I'm not asking you to go jump into a garbage can and root in the trash until you find a smelly sock. But I am asking you to be present with yourself for a moment, to breathe and take a deep breath, and ask yourself, is there someone who could use a little bit more acceptance and attention and love from me? And I absolutely know that during this COVID season, that's a little harder to pull off. But sitting with that question, I am absolutely convinced that a name or two will come to mind. And then you sit with that name and ask yourself, what can I do to help that person feel like they matter to me? And an idea will come to your mind Part of finding peace is not so that we can just focus on ourselves, but so that we can bless the world with the light that we have within. You are a being of light. You matter. You are worthy of love and belonging. And I hope that your reticular activating system can begin to notice all of the evidence that proves that to be the case. May you be well. Take care. You've been listening to the Finding Peace podcast. If you loved the show or want to ask a question, let us know by going to troylove.com. There, you can also learn about the Finding Peace 5-Day Challenge. Remember to subscribe to this podcast so you won't miss the next episode. And if you are listening on iTunes, please give us a five-star rating. It helps other people find this podcast more easily. Thank you for spending part of your journey with us. Copyright Finding Peace Consulting.